today on the show, I'm going to get personal. I'm going to tell you about the time I had cancer. Spoiler alert, I didn't die, <laughs> but uh, just to lighten the mood a little bit, I have a joke. How do you know when someone has ran a marathon? Don't worry, they'll tell you. Welcome to the Coffee Buzz. I'm Brad, and thank you for listening. I really appreciate that. And once again, I appreciate whoever's out there doing those reviews. I, I keep seeing a few more each week, so thank you. That means a lot. It's like a, uh, a digital high five, if you will. So keep them coming. I uh, thought I would just jump in and do story time today. <laughs> Not that you asked for it, but I... Just felt like it was time to get a little personal and tell you a story. I haven't done it much, but uh, you know we're getting to know each other. What is this? Uh, Twenty-four episodes now. So, thought I'd open up a bit and tell you a story about when I was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma. It was in two thousand one. I knew something was wrong with me. I was coughing nonstop, uh, just very lethargic, and. I just had really bizarre reactions to alcohol. Um, I would sleep 12 hours a day sometimes and still be tired. Um, and then when it came to the drinking, I, I would have just a few beers and wake up with like violent hangovers. And I had been drinking for a while. I was, I was a regular, so I knew you know, something was off in the routine. Um, even though I knew something was wrong, it, the last thing that I expected to hear was that it was cancer. Um, after a few visits to the doctor for this chronic chest pain, uh, they decided to give me an x-ray. And when they did, they found a mass that was about 12 centimeters on my right hand side of my body, like upper torso on my lung. And uh, the doctor told me right away that it was cancer. Um, she didn't know what type, but she, you know, she was confident that yes, that's what you have. So she sent me to an oncologist for a biopsy and it took two days to get those results back. And let me tell you, it was probably the most stressful two days of my life. Um, because it was on my lung, the doctor thought, it might be lung cancer, and that has like a 5% survival rate. So at this point, I was, I was freaking out. I panicked. Uh, I was already contemplating my suicide if it was terminal. Um, luckily, it didn't come to that. Um, but after the results came back, they confirmed I had Hodgkin's lymphoma stage 3, which in the cancer world is not that bad. I remember my oncologist saying, oh, this is like getting a tooth pulled compared to most of my patients. Um, so I kind of always thought, all right, I'm gonna be okay through this. Um, but they started chemo the very next day, mainly because the cancer wasn't so much what was threatening me, but where the mass was, it was laying on top of an artery and they told me in their estimation that I was like 
weeks if not months away from a massive stroke. So I probably wouldn't even be talking to you in this fashion today if, uh, if I hadn't gone in when I did. So chemo was, I started the next day and it was, it was, both, it was better than I expected and worse than I expected kind of at the same time. Um, the chemo lab I went to was this long room, I think like a Stanley Kubrick style hallway. It, it didn't look that, you know, ornate or anything, but there's chairs lined up on all sides, uh, big recliners. It set probably, I don't know, 30, 40 people. And it took about four hours to get through the cocktail of chemicals, you know, that they hand you, that they had for me. And uh, they wanted me to put in this port. It would have gone up in my chest and basically they just could have hooked up the chemo to it. And, uh, but it, it required another surgery. And after that biopsy, I was kind of done having surgeries if I could help it because when they did the biopsy, they had to basically slip my trachea and put this tube or s scope or something down in there to be able to get a graft of the, uh, of the mass. So I couldn't speak for like two and a half months or so. It was weird. I couldn't talk above a whisper. And, uh, so I just wasn't ready to do another surgery and have a port put in. Um, the downside to not getting that port though, is that you have to get an IV ran every time you go in. So for me, uh, that was, every two weeks, you know, having to get an IV, I would rotate arms so I didn't look like some sort of junkie and uh, just punish my veins. So it would just, every two weeks, I would go right and left that way. You know, you're only, you, I was only hitting it like once a month. After the chemo sessions, uh, I wouldn't feel bad right away. It usually hit me the next day. And it was, it was the feeling of having the flu really bad, at least at the beginning. Um, I would come home from chemo and take like four Tylenol PMs, which is probably the worst thing you know you, I could have done at the moment, just punishing my liver with these chemicals and then this Tylenol. I would try to sleep through you know, the side effects. Um, after a few months though, the chemo effects, they started to intensify. I'd, I'd get throbbing headaches, um, and this might sound weird, but my bones would hurt. <laughs> um, and other times it was like my skin was on fire, and I just, I wanted to crawl out of myself. Uh, I had to do this treatment, like I said, every two weeks, but in doing that for six months, you know, you get to know a lot of people there, get, a little, get to know a lot of the fellow patients. I met this one lady who was diagnosed with this rare stomach cancer and her and her husband, they would just, he was by her side every second and they were just such sweet people. Um, she stopped coming to the treatments after a while and it was just really sad. Uh, it, I just, I knew how lucky I was, but in a lot of ways, I didn't feel like I was worthy of that luck. Um, 
I'd, I'd taken my health and life for granted pretty much all my life. And here this lady was, she's a school teacher, you know, children and a happy family. And she's, she's not going to make it, but I am. It, it really kind of messes with your, with your sense of self a little bit. As the chemo went on, the, the side effects got worse. And by the end of the six months, it was pretty hard to eat. It, you know, everything tasted like metallic. It had this weird aftertaste. And I was just numb to the world. Uh, I couldn't concentrate or focus. Uh, nausea, oh, it, it was bad towards the end. Uh, I wouldn't wish it on anyone. But the good part of all this was that the mass was getting smaller. Um, we staged it a few times during that six months, and each time it was shrinking down, shrink, getting smaller. And I didn't feel like I was getting any better, but that's just the way these treatments work. Um, by the end, all that remained was just scar tissue. So my oncologist said we should do three months of radiation just to burn it off, and that way you never have to worry about this again. And so I went ahead and said, yes, let's do that. And it compared to the chemo lab, the radiation was a cakewalk. Uh, it was basically like just getting an x-ray. But, you know, looking back, I consider myself extremely lucky. So after I, you know, was told that my cancer was gone, they, they didn't say remission. They said, it's, it's gone. You're good. Um, there was, I don't know, there was a flood of emotions at that point. And so I immediately got drunk. I, uh, <laughs> I had been told not to drink during this whole time. I had some making up to do in the drinking department. So, so around the same time, I got some new roommates. It was uh, Christy and John. And uh, I'm so thankful that I met these people. <laughs> I worked with Christy, and John was her husband, and we immediately became friends and um they were just always at the gym uh they were the perfect influence on me at the time um, i started going to the gym with them and quickly started getting back into shape um, after chemo and radiation i mean my body was a wreck uh, christy and john they gave me the tools to get back in shape uh, they set me up with some nutritional advice, um, supplements. It was like having two personal trainers <laughs> live with you. Uh, they even got me a discount at the gym. And occasionally John would bang on my door to get me up in the morning. So <laughs> I dropped 20 pounds and then gained it back as muscle. Uh, I'd never been in this sort of shape in my life. I mean, I wasn't like, you know amateur bodybuilder or anything but I I was uh just more muscle mass than I'd ever had in my life and it, it felt really good I just decided to transform myself um for the first time I was a gym rat uh one day I got into the gym and uh saw this flyer for the Motorola Marathon and I asked John I said man why would anybody want to run a marathon and he just sort of shrugged his shoulders and said, man, you'd have to be crazy. And I totally agreed. 
but uh, I just I couldn't get that thought out of my head. And as it turns out, I'm one of those crazy people that runs marathons. Um, my rationale was that if I could complete a marathon, then I must be healthy. So two weeks later, uh, after seeing that flyer, I was training for one, but I had no clue what I was doing. Uh, I didn't go read a book. I just went out and, and started running. I would run as far as I could every day and then get up and try it again the next day, which is definitely not the way to do it. Um, luckily for the, me, uh, I happened to work with a lady, though, that had ran a marathon, so she quickly told me everything I was doing wrong. Um, marathon training is about consistency and gradual increases, you know, from one week to the next. So I trained for six months, um, starting with like somewhere around 10 to 15 miles a week and then making my way, making my way up to 30 or 40 miles per week. And the training is the real marathon, just getting up early on those cold January days to run 20 miles. Uh, it takes much more motivation, in my opinion, than getting up on the race day for, you know, all these people uh, that are there to cheer you on. Uh, the actual marathon is kind of just a celebration of all the training. Um, but in the process of all this, of just relentlessly punishing my body, um, I, I really got in tune with my body at this point. I, uh, I think it was one of my favorite parts of the process. I could tell if I hadn't hydrated properly or if I had too much to eat or too little to eat. Um, my body became like a science experiment. And the first time I, I ran over 20 miles, it was an eye-opener. Um, I had to do all kinds of crazy things, like put Band-Aids over my nipples, and <laughs> I discovered this the hard way. Um, that first 21-miler was the, the part of my body that hurt the most was my nipples because that shirt rubbing up against them was like sandpaper after about 17 miles in. And uh, I thought they were going to fall off before I was done. <laughs> so it, it was a crazy experience. Um, but I hadn't felt this uh, confident or empowered before. I was I was just beginning to reshape my story. Uh, no longer cancer patient. Now I'm training for a marathon. Another big takeaway for me was that I was stronger than I thought I was. Um, and it was really weird. The decision to run the marathon, I feel like, was not mine. It was just chosen for me. Um, I was actually shocked once I was finished with the race. Uh, it was just what I needed in terms of believing in myself and others. I, if you ever want to see, if you ever want to reaffirm your faith in humanity, go to a marathon and watch the runners and watch the people around you. It's an inspiring event. So the day of the race, I had a massive wall at mile 23. Started questioning why the hell I started this. Uh, I cried like a three-year-old for about a mile, 
And then I thought about the last few years and everything that had happened. And I, you know, just overcame so many obstacles that here I was about to complete my first marathon. And when I crossed that finish line, it sounds cliche, but I felt like a different person. I remember thinking, I'm healthy, I'm alive. And then I went home and took an ice bath (laughs) because I was so sore uh, in a whole new way, but it felt great. Um, My first marathon was 2004. I ran two more after that and then hung it up in 2007. I've continued to run since, um, but just doing a few organized runs, 10K, stuff like that. Uh, I don't know if I'll do another one, um, marathon that is. Maybe when my daughter is older, (laughs) maybe. Um, It took me a long time to realize this, but cancer was really a teacher for me. It taught me to be grateful, even on the bad days. Uh, No matter what happens, a little voice will say to me, be thankful you're healthy. And it also taught me to respect my body. Um, This didn't happen right away. Um, But part of the reason why I'm vegan is that I know my diet was a huge part of why I got sick. You know, before getting cancer, I never really put two and two together that the food I ate, you know, affects my health. So I just always thought food is just there for enjoyment to fill me up and keep me going. And it dawned on me that that old saying, you are what you eat, really is true Um, because Every 100 days or so, our cells are replaced by new cells. Food we eat is not just an energy source. It's information that our bodies take as instructions for building cells. Um, Before I got sick, I didn't think about what I ate. I never gave it a thought. Um, It's such a simple fix, too, that it sounds too good to be true. But now that I'm vegan, I've I've never felt better. Cancer just taught me to be more present and not take the day for granted. Um, every day is a gift. It's really true. <laughs> yeah. um, I was given a second chance, and my mission now is to make the most of that. I uh, There's a trail run actually coming up in February that I'm looking into. It's a 25K. Um, I love being out in the woods, so I think this might be my new calling it it combines the two hobbies uh, that I really love hiking and running I appreciate you listening to this podcast my website is thecoffeebuzzpodcast.com and until next week keep moving stay healthy